Bienvenidos y welcome to the Biz Bruja podcast, where reclaiming our powerful intuition, our sacred medicina, embracing our magic and healing ancestral patterns, invoke powerful creations in our own well-being, our lives, familias, community, and our businesses. Remembering that our businesses are so important at this time. I'm the creatrix of this blogcast, the Biz Bruja herself, Vanessa Codorniu, a modern-day bruja, fourth-generation psychic medium, clinical hypnotist, energy healer, and soul biz mentor and coach. An Argentine-American who started reading adults at 16, became a professional intuitive at 22, and now guides creatives, intuitives, healers, and entrepreneurs to break through fears, connect to the practical power of their intuition so they can serve the world powerfully. Bienvenidos todos. Gracias por estar aquí. I am so happy. Welcome, everyone, to be talking to somebody that, like, there's been a mutual admiration here happening and mutual love and support. We did a couple of podcast episodes where she interviewed me and they disappeared into the ether, but we're still working on it. And she's going to be coming on to my podcast. I'll be coming on to hers. And we've also decided to collaborate and we'll send you more information about that, an event in New York. And so please help me welcome Cynthia Santiago Borbon. Bienvenido, Cynthia. Thank you, Vanessa. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have you. And I know that everyone will fall in love with you the way that I fall in love with you and continuously like just get to celebrate you and to create with you. Um, because you're such a unique and like special human. So before we get into this conversation, I want to read her bio because, um, you know, that's how we do. And then we get into it and we're in for like a very juicy conversation about how the Orishas uh, come through the business and show up in the business, in our businesses and her journey and her ancestral reclamation and her own healing path and the work that she's bringing into the world. So I can't wait for that. But here is your bio. Here's Cynthia Santiago Borbon's bio. With over two decades of expertise in the mental health and well-being space, Cynthia Santiago Borbon, a healer, licensed psychotherapist, transformational coach, spirituality teacher, empath, and priestess of Obatala, has supported thousands of clients to liberate themselves from societal conditioning and intergenerational trauma so they can thrive in their lives, in their relationships, and their careers and business. Cynthia's multidisciplinary spiritual, spiritual approach as a healer, speaker, strategist, and entrepreneur has always been deeply rooted in liberation, equity, anti-oppression. She provides numerous services that include private coaching, group coaching, workshops, and retreats. Yay! Two decades, girl, two decades, like dos décadas de servicio and showing up in this work. Cynthia, as we begin today, I really want to ask, how have your ancestors shaped the woman, the being that you are today and the sacred work that you're bringing into the world? Oh, thank you. I'm, oh, I'm getting choked up. I can feel them <laughs> around me right now. And I'm so, um, I'm so grateful to you and to the people in the world that are doing more and more of this as you know, you've been doing this work a long time. And you know, there was a period when there were not many of us talking about this and certainly we weren't talking about it openly because, you know, there's a lot of backlash for it and continues to be. But I have been proclaiming for a long time that there is no way I would be where I'm at without the assistance of my ancestors. 
And that first piece in which they helped me was to actually help me heal, to help me heal from all the very things that I teach now uh, around societal conditioning to help me heal from trauma and a very real concrete way to help me remember who and what I come from. Because the story that we've been given so long about who we are in the world as people of color, as brown people, as black people, as people that are non-white, um, is that we come from nothing and nothing could be further from the truth. And what my ancestors taught me in connecting with them was the truth, the stories that came way, way, way before colonization of the great ways in which we lived, the great ways in which we connected and who I really was and what I really came from. And that process helped me heal internally in such a powerful way that it then helped me move forward with my dreams, with my desires. It made me get stronger. It helped me to see that I was capable of things that at the time there was no models of around me. There were no models in my family. There were no models really on the television, certainly, you know, when we were growing up, right, Vanessa? (laughs) I mean, we're getting getting more now, but, you know, back when we were kind of coming up, there was nothing really um, or close to nothing. And so now they taught me what they taught me to see what was not evident around me. And I, you know. I I give thanks to them every day. I do nothing in this world anymore without understanding that I walk with an entire tribe of people that are here to assist me, to support me, and to help me so that I can continue to assist and support others. I love that so much. And I'm emotional because I feel them too. (laughs) I feel your people's, I feel my people's. And I'm so incredibly, incredibly, incredibly grateful that the West African traditions, African traditions are becoming more visible um, because I had the great honor of being exposed to Santeria and Yoruba in different aspects through my dad, my mom. And while none of us are initiated, um, a deep respect and then studying with Dr. Marta Moreno Vega in New York, right? And so I've always had a deep respect, an interest, uh, of reverence, understanding like this is like, this is the foundation people. This is the foundation, and this is where we all come from, and yet it's been denied, it's been covered up, and it's 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 the time to be heard and seen. So thank you for, you know, stepping into your tradition, reclaiming, doing the intense healing work, and then holding that beautiful space for us and for all of us, especially brown and black folks who have been denied their lineage and their story and their intuition and their spiritual heritage. I wanted to ask, how did... Um, oh, let me go into the usual and then I'll go into the specific for you, but okay. <laughs> I want to hear so much that I'm like, la, la, la. Um, but I'm so excited. How, what were some of the, the patterns that you needed to break ancestrally from more recent ancestors, maybe that kept you from being fully yourself, uh, and, and doing the sacred work that you do, or is there anything that you needed to shift or heal or? Oh, there was so much, <laughs> there was so much that so we won't be able to cover it all today. But I can start by saying that the very first, one of the first things I remember needing to heal was my own perception of what I look like in the world. So in other words, the color of my skin, the texture of my hair, the features on my face, the structure of my body, you know, uh, again, 
things change, right? All, you know, now many of the things that I have, that I came to into my body as, <laughs> as a gift from God um, are now very popular, but growing up, they were not. And the image of what I needed to look like was nothing what I look like. And so coming to even, you know, even within my own family, right? The, the, the size of my nose was often a discussion about, you know, my nose was too big. And so things like taking photos, for instance, just, you know, things that you need to run your business, right? Taking photos, being on videos, you know, all those things I was so terribly uncomfortable with that because I felt ugly. And so that was one of the things I had to heal from, like, how do I look in the world and what am I trying to fit into? And is in fact was to liberate myself from this concept of what beauty was or what it was to look good. And, you know, and that also came very much through my ancestors. Like they showed me images and they showed me, they literally started teaching me what was beautiful about me um, and coming into that connection with them. So, I mean, I can go on and on, Vanessa, about the things I needed to heal. I needed to heal my voice, my ability to speak up. That was a big one for me, like the, you know, the disempowerment that comes when your people have been historically colonized and made to um, seem unimportant and small. But the ancestors prior to that were very powerful beings and understood that, in fact, our power comes from within, not over people. Right. And they taught me that they literally taught me that. And so learning to use my voice to speak up, understanding that I had a a message and a gift that I also came in the world to share, um, that they very much wanted me to impart with others was the courage that they gave me to start sharing that message. Uh, that was one of the other things, you know, being able to stand in that and to speak even on a stage or to do a speaking uh, a speaking interview like this with you or engagement, right? Like the ability to even do that. You would have met me years ago and I was terrified of this stuff because what I was taught through various systems and institutions and experiences was that I didn't speak well, I didn't write well, I didn't do all these things well, and I didn't fit into that norm. And so they helped me heal that. I mean, I can go on and on for hours. <laughs> what could be, what they helped heal, but they helped me heal so many aspects, including the ones I just shared. And thank you for bringing that up because it's important for us to recognize that not everyone now or even in the past, looked out and saw themselves reflected in society, right? Because you're an, a, like an incredibly beautiful, gorgeous woman inside and out. And there's so much beauty, you know, in all races, all cultures, and all parts of the world. And yet this image that we see, even like we hear with India with bleaching creams, and we hear that almost every country, the lighter you are, the higher in society you are, the more likely you are to succeed, et cetera, et cetera. So what you're saying is really important for people here listening. And um, thank you for that because the beauty, the voice, in, intrinsic, like, like this is like our essence of being able to accept ourselves. And so this is really important that you're sharing that and, and very important for folks who are brown and black who have not been reflected in any way, shape or form, just 
through, like you said, minimization, right? Like minim- minimized. What are some of the gifts that you've leaned into and in, with your ancestors and your lineage? Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, I think just being the gift of being able to heal, right? That was one of my, that was one of the things they taught me pre like taking a Reiki course, pre any of that. When I look back on the journey of how I, you know, can now call myself a healer and a healer that helps other healers and help people heal in a kind of all aspect of their lives. They, they taught me that ability. Um, and, you know, on a very concrete, pragmatic level, right? People will ask, well, what does that mean? It means I literally sat in meditation and I sat in front of my ancestral altar and asked them to, to reveal to me what I had come into this world to do. And they literally started showing me pictures. You know, they showed up as like pictures in my mind of all the things that I had done over the course of my life, right? And up until a certain point. I'm at, when I'm saying this, I was probably about 27. And I had not, to me, I still felt like I didn't know what I was here to do. Like, what's my purpose? You know how people are always asking, what's my purpose? And I really felt like up until that point, I didn't know what my purpose was. I felt like I was just kind of going along with the flow, like wherever I would land up in a job or wherever I would kind of get some work. But the truth is that that's not what was happening at all. They showed me that I had actually been on a course of empowering and healing people since I was really like 21 years old, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of a career, because yeah. the work I had done had always been around helping and serving others to heal something and to empower themselves. They're really the ones that taught me my gift was, in fact, to help others liberate themselves emotionally and psychologically, because that's what I had been doing all along since, like I said, I was like 21. So they reveal that to me. And that came through literally just sitting in meditation and asking those powerful questions of what am I here to do, you know, and believing that I was going to get an answer and the answer would come back. (laughs) Oh my God. I love that. I love that. And what an incredible moment. I could just imagine you and like, you're like, wait a minute. Yeah, this clicks, this clicks, this clicks. Um, So you are a licensed therapist And, you know, I have a lot of them in my community, a lot of folks who are now looking to create businesses because the practices within, you know, the hierarchy of licensed therapy can be, uh, you know, burnout worthy, right? Like this is what people tell me. When did you make the decision to go out on your own? So I made the actual decision in my mind probably about 15 years ago. (laughs) Honestly, Mm -hmm. in my mind, it was like, I am so done with this stuff. Because even back then, you know, I couldn't really consider myself a pioneer in the sense that, and again, I really truly believe this came through my ancestors. And as we'll talk about the Orishas, but being able to see what the limitations were early on of the way in which much therapy was practiced and, and the ways in which it was not um, allowing the full, what I, what I would call the full holistic self to come in. And so I saw that early on. And so I really was like, I really need, and I felt the call, I literally felt the call, like you need to be doing your own thing. You need your own business. Now, honestly, it took me longer than that. And I think that's an important message to share with the audience, right? Because sometimes we want things so quickly and 
it looks like things are overnight success and they aren't. It's really takes, you know, time and, and work. Right. And so, uh, but 11 years ago is when I started the business and, you know, made that, that decision to really go forward. Now, in all fairness, again, that didn't mean I just quit my job. <laughs> right. right. I actually did my business and my full-time job for a few years together. And then finally, I was able to, I guess about six years ago now, completely leave my full-time job and go completely on my own. Uh, So yeah, it was a journey. It was a journey like many things. Thank you so much. And I love that you brought that up because lately, like I said, I was, you know, first all my stuff was service, right? And then very cheap. And then finally, after years and years of service and free circles, then I charged. And then I did it while I was working my corporate job. And then I got laid off, which forced me. It was like, I was kicked out by the universe and literally heard, do not go back. So there's this whole like trajectory of a journey. And when people see how skilled you are and everything that you've done and that you're doing or that I'm doing or other people who have been doing this for a long time, it didn't happen overnight. The reason we have this confidence, the reason we have a million stories to tell. And so for folks who are starting out, you know, if you're hearing from somebody, quit your job, go out there and do it. Most of the time when people do that, they struggle because it's hard to create under duress. I've had to do it. But again, then I had already been doing it for so long that I was able to just do it because I already had expertise in the area. But for anyone who's like, I'm going to get my job because I know I'm a healer. I have the certifications from the last couple of years. I'm going to do it. Think about it twice because it's really important to give yourself the economic stability as you're trying to build something. And when you're still trying to figure out how you're going to build this. So I love that you shared that and you were completely transparent that it takes time. Um, question for you, when did you meet the Orishas? Were your family already in connection? And, you know, in terms of initiation, was the decision hard? Was it a natural extension of who you were? How was that journey for you? Yes. So, no, I did not grow up in the Orisha tradition at all. In fact, I'm a typical story of that I was taught to be afraid of all of it. You know, that, um, in fact, it was dark magic and the work of the devil and all this madness that's taught about it when, when in fact, none of that is true. Um, and once again, credit to the ancestors for bringing me on that journey. Really what happened to me was that I, I was starting to experience what I call a huge spiritual awakening. My life was kind of falling apart. I'd broken up with a boyfriend that I loved a lot at that time. And I was actually in a social work school. I was in graduate school. And I started praying to God. And I, because I was literally having these sort of almost outer body experiences, my hands would get huge, like wildly hot um, out of nowhere. Uh, I sometimes felt like I <laughs> always described, I felt like I was levitating a little bit. I was, I was walking on the ground, but it just felt very floaty. And I was also um, starting to have these very vivid dreams. All kinds of stuff was happening. And at the core of me, I knew that something spiritual was happening. But I felt no affiliation to a church or, to be honest, even Christianity, because my experiences in Christianity had been very oppressive. And so what I did was I prayed to God. And I said, God, I really need a teacher. And I don't know who that is, but I have a belief that you will bring me that teacher. 
And sure enough, within a couple of months, I met the man who is now my godfather in the Risha tradition who initiated me. He's a priest of Shango. And um, I was literally brought, brought to him by somebody else. And I had my first reading um, with him. And I have been with him ever since. It's going to be 26 years I've been in the tradition. And that's how I was introduced to the Orishas. I really knew nothing about them before then. <laughs> and like I said, what I thought I knew was not even correct. And what I have learned about the Orishas and, and what continues to be uh, a learning journey is the immense, incredible healing that they want to offer all of us and the world mm -hmm. and the ways in which they want to support our human journey and help us elevate and expand. That is what I've learned in this process. And all they want really back is our love and acknowledgement. And honestly, that's something that has been lost in many ways because of the ways in which the Orishas had to be hidden. Right. And they had to be hidden because, you know, because of, <clears throat> you know, colonialism. And so what we have now is a lot of a reemergence you know, the Orishas have been around a very, very, very long time. And now there's less secrecy about it. And more and more people are talking about them. And I feel that's really a good thing because I will say this, Vanessa, that without Orisha, I would not be where I'm at in my life. And when we talk about Orisha, what we're talking about is really a pantheon of Goddess, gods and goddesses of the West African Yoruba tradition. That is what we're really talking about. They, you know, when, when um, Africans were enslaved and put through that very brutal process, inhumane process, one of the first things they did, the colonizers did, was to strip them of their relationship to the divine. And that, that relationship to the divine was through the Orishas, um, we believe in a, a, a God, but we also understand that God has created other helpers, right? The way some people think about angels or they think about other gods and goddesses, the Orishas are also a, a segment of helpers to God. And in that, and then in that relationship, we get to request support and assistance but what's also really important about the Orisha tradition that I think is really beautiful is that it honors reciprocity. It honors that we don't just take, right? That's what colonization did. It just came in and took, took resources, took people's lives, took, stripped, raped, right? In our relationship, in many indigenous relationships, right? Because that's an indigenous relationship as well. Reciprocity, that, yes. that reciprocity is a key component of that. So when we are talking about the Orishas, they often are represented in nature, right? People of, you know, how many people love the ocean, right? I love the ocean, want to go to the ocean. I feel so calm when at the ocean, I'm at the ocean, you hear people say, well, why? Because that is a deity and that is Yamaya. Well, what, what I call Yamaya, her, she is known by many, many names across the world, right? But Yamaya is the great mother, the mother of all mothers. Of course, we feel nurtured and loved when we go near the ocean. 
right? So one of the things I would do even as an individual and then also as someone who might be seeking guidance from her in my business, because she often helps me in my business, would be to go to the ocean and offer her a earth-friendly <laughs> offering, right? Because that's important. We're not there to pollute her. We are there to make sure whatever we give her is biodegradable, right? So fruit's a perfect example, but completely from the earth and biodegradable, right? And bring her an offering and talk to her about what I desire, how I want to grow in my business, what I want to do, but also to give her reference and gratitude for what she's providing to me, right? That is the way in which our ancestors work through things that is now uh, for many are starting to, starting to acknowledge that and see that and that it's not wrong of us, but in fact, that our ancestors were very much in communion and in connection to each other, but also to the planet and to the forces in nature and to the earth itself. Yes. Yes. I'm just listening and I'm like transported here. I love it so much. So, so much. Okay. Thank you so much for that. I love it. Um, you know, I'm mesmerized and I was called to the forces of nature as Arisha and just have such reverence. Um, how do the Arisha show up in our business? Well, you know, I just spoke about it a little bit, but also, you know, they come to us in dreams. They, they speak to us in the ways that they speak to us to show us, give us direction. You know, honestly, my, my next phase of my business that I'm working on, I feel came directly from Obatala, which is my head Orisha, right? You get initiated into a specific Orisha and mine is Obatala. And I really feel like Obatala often guides me to the next phase, right? So Obatala is the mountain, Obatala's expansion. Obatala um, has shown me that it, um, that as an Orisha, because that deities in fact in charge of our like human consciousness on some level mm -hmm. and so Obatala will often infuse me with ideas and will say I literally will kind of you know I I, I will hear and I say here and I want to be clear about that because I know a lot of people will be like well I don't hear voices <laughs> and it's not just about hearing a voice sometimes some people too but it can also drop in as an idea a, a sense, a, a compelling idea, right? Like that compelling feeling to move on to something new. And that's what Obatala has been in my life, my entire life and career since I got initiated under that Arisha, that in fact, I will start to feel a call or a pull to something. And that's how I feel like he's literally been guiding my business as well. I always say it's not my, it's not just my business. It's it's his business, really. <laughs> and, you know what I mean? And I'll be like, okay, so what are we doing next, right? And I'll start to feel the, I start to get almost a sense of a discontent with what I'm doing. Not like I don't want to be doing it, but I'll start to feel like almost like a push for something else. And that is when I will start to sit in quiet and be like, okay, Obatala, tell me what it is that I should be working on next. And then I'll start getting ideas, you know? And so that is the way for me, particularly in the way Arisha shows up. But there's so many different Arishas, right? My, my mother in the Arisha tradition is Oshun. And Oshun is very much about creativity, 
Um, Oshun is the river. She is the fertile ground for things to be sowed, literally, literally sow things together. That's what, that's Oshun's energy. Oshun's energy is about bringing people together. Like societies have been built always by the river, right? Where the first place people settle by rivers, right? Her fresh water to drink her water, to have that source of life-giving energy, right? And so Oshun will often guide me to some kind of creative endeavor in my business. You know, she's the one that will show me a color to use or a picture to use or, and I really feel like she's very much responsible for that, but she's also responsible for bringing community together, right? So whenever I've like done retreats or anything like that, I will pray to her and I will say, you know, this is, you know what we're doing here, you know, because that's the other piece, Vanessa, I get guidance before I do any major thing in my business. If there is something I will tell people, that when you build that relationship with a reacher, you always have the best guidance on the planet <laughs> or the divine guidance that comes down. Because honestly, um, all my major big steps, I go and I go, I go and I get a reading and that reading will inform me. It'll say, this is a great thing to do. This is don't do that. <laughs> right. And I couldn't ask for more. Right. How beautiful to know a direction to go in. It makes me feel very confident is what it does. You know, because things are scary. Let's be honest. Absolutely. Everything, even if you've been doing this a long time. Right. Like when you go to that next thing or I always talk about that next new thing or that next level, it gets scary again. Right. It may not be as jarring as it used to be, but it's certainly scary. Right. You get that Absolutely. next thing. Right? Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of times when people are at a place at work, they might get changes through a promotion, but they know the culture. They've studied how to succeed. And there's like that secure paycheck, et cetera. When you have your own business, you're constantly usually just trusting yourself, your guides, your higher self, the Orishas in your case, your angels, your ancestors. And I mean, sometimes you hire people, et cetera, and you get that support, whether it's a reading or whether it's a business coach. At the same time, it's your butt on the line. I mean, right? I mean, we're going to break it down. It's you who's like literally hanging off a cliff and, you know, your guides are like, you have big wings, jump. And you're like, I don't know. I don't know. And then because they tell you, because you hear it, that's what like, even with, with this summit that we're creating or that, you know, we're in right now, like I was, I'm so busy with Peru, with our event in November, with so many things. And I was like, really? You want me to do this now? It was like, you have to do it now. You must, it must come out on the full moon in Aries that lights up the house of career, Vanessa. You must do it. Jupiter will be in Aries and this is what needs to happen. And even though there'll be retrogrades, it's okay. And so, yes, we need, you know, our angels. We need our forces of nature. We need our Orishas. We need our ancestors. We need that internal power to be able to move through the unknown, and to learn to do more than survive. I believe that the Orishas and our guides, our angels, our ancestors helped teach us how to survive because they had to so we could be here. At the same time, we're learning how to thrive, right? Especially in your work in equity, especially in your work in liberation, especially in the work of ancestral healing. Yes. So I love all this. Like literally, I'm like, can we do a day of this? I'll just talk and ask you questions. Um, but maybe that's coming, who knows? But the question yeah, right. <laughs> next is for people who feel called to the Orishas, um, you know, and, and who want to connect and are like, my family doesn't follow this. Um, 
what would you invite, like, what do you suggest for them? Well, I always suggest prayer first, right? Because in fact, that was how I was brought to it. And then I, I, I would tell people to pray for someone that is going to give them clean and clean guidance, right? Because like, you know, like so many things, there are people that are great in this tradition yeah. and then there are people that are not. And that's often an unfortunate piece, right? That's humanity. That's every religion and every spiritual practice around the world, right? And so I would I would tell people to pray for um, if they are in fact interested in connecting to the Orishas, I would tell them first to pray to their own ancestral uh, realm of helpers, right? Their spirit guides to ensure that they are brought to the right person. Yes. Um, one way, right? Because the thing is that what, what is interesting about the Orisha tradition and because of its history, it's not like you can go just go to a, to a, a temple, Right. I can't tell someone to just go to uh, go down to 45th Street and 6th Avenue. There's a there's a church there. Right. No, you, in fact, must come through it through somebody that can refer you to somebody that they know. Now, I have been very, very fortunate. I have been with the same spiritual house. They call it a house in LA for my entire journey with um, within this tradition, I've been very fortunate. That's not always the case for a lot of people. And I have superb godparents. I mean, really the, the cream of the crop of humanity, right? Um, and so it's important that they find someone that feels trustworthy to them because, you know, you want to feel like who you're working with has integrity, Yes. Um, but I say start with praying to your own ancestors to ask them, in fact, if you feel called to this, to bring you to the right people and to help you find the right resources. This is not a uh, this is not a tradition that can be learned online. It isn't. It's an it's it's steeped heavily in a, a learning from your elders, you know, like many, many indigenous practices. It is about learning from elders it's not about picking up a book now you can learn some basic information of course but the actual ways in which we learn to live this and embody it is through is through our elders so i would say to start with that prayer and and then you know um i'm always happy to also refer people to my to my own godfather who's amazing and can give them a reading if they're interested <laughs> but you know um you know, that may be kind of limited in his availability. <laughs> yeah. Question for you too. Do you suggest to people that for them to pay attention at all? I mean, prayer first to your ancestors, like, are you attracted to the ocean to go to the ocean, sit there, to go to the rivers, to connect with that force of nature? Have you ever, like, do you suggest that at all? Oh, absolutely. 100%. I mean, the, the, the bottom line is, that's available to all of us, right? And so, yes, that prayer can always start from that place. In fact, it's, you know, it's the most powerful place because it's the it's the place of origin, right? So absolutely, 100%. Um, and, you know, and that even that same thing that I talked about, making an offering when you do it, right? Not anything crazy, you know, like, it, you know, that you can research online. You can say, okay, what would I bring Oshun if I want to go sit by the river and ask her to show me what I need to, what needs to be revealed to me, right? Oshun loves honey, for instance. That's one of her main 
her main offerings that she loves, you know, um, and there's so many other things. And that stuff you can look up online just to see what would be a- applicable, right? I love that. And I can't end this without asking. Um, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly, but how about Oya and when it comes to business, the energy of Oya? Oh, yeah. Oof. That's a beautiful energy. So the way we know Oya in nature is the wind. She's also the hurricanes, she's tornadoes. She's that massive change. So Oya is a very interesting energy because she'll she's that energy that can sometimes come in and completely sweep everything out <laughs> to rebuild, right? But she's also transformation itself. She's the agent of transformation. Um, Oya is also directly connected to the ancestral realm. She's the gate. She's the gatekeeper to the ancestral realm, and so Oya's energy is one that you could be in the wind, you could feel a breeze coming at you, and you could say a prayer to her, and you can ask her for guidance again. If you specifically, if you're ready to transform something in your business, right? If you really want something to change, I'll say this: my prayer to Oya is always, "Can we do this mellow?" <laughs> Manageable, mellow. Right? I definitely want to change, but don't sweep the house out before you do it, right? (laughs) Let's, we'll we'll do this, you know, we'll do it. Um, So yeah, that's just, that's just a little word of caution. Oya is a very powerful energy, a beautiful energy um, of transformation. So anything you want transformed in your life, including your business, you can definitely speak to her about, yes. And I just want to say this before we go, Vanessa, that, you know, it's really important that should we be interested in deities from other cultures, right, that we not just appropriate, but that we actually respect and honor that, right? This is not information that we're sharing for people to just start doing nilly-willy whatever they want with, but is in fact a way in which we are honoring those traditions, the people of those traditions, and the deities uh, themselves, right? Because those deities want to be remembered, and they want to be honored. And it's not just about, I'm going to run on and do a little, I'm going to go because this is what I want. It's again, back to reciprocity. If you're going to go to a deity and ask for something, make sure that, first of all, that your heart is clean about it, but also that you are, in fact, in reciprocity to that, to that energy and not just there to take. I really think that's such an important thing that we all must make sure is happening. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And that is so important because we're in the era of that. I mean, it's been like probably four or 500 years of that, but now it's like even multiplied in different ways through social media where we're like, Oh, and they hear something and suddenly they're sitting, they, they quote it for themselves. And it's like, no, it's been around. Um, so important. Thank you for sharing that. Um, where can people find you? Uh, very easy. Uh, Cynthia Santiago Borbon, my full name, dot com is my, my website, my Instagram, my Facebook, <laughs> my LinkedIn. Uh, yeah, very easy to find me, easy to contact me. I have a contact page on my website. 
and I'm happy to talk to people. And thank you for having me. I really appreciate this. I have had so much pleasure in getting to know you and, you know, uh, growing in our relationship together. And, you know, we're, we're working on some things together. And every time we have an experience together, I'm more and more certain of the divine bringing us into each other's lives for a reason. So thank you. Gracias, Cynthia. I feel the same. And I'm very picky after a lot of things that I've been through in life with like who I co-create with. So I'm just, you know, honored that you're here. I'm honored that you're speaking so freely and that we're in a time where you can speak freely and be safe, right? Because I know that it wasn't so and that I can't wait. And so folks, follow Cynthia, SantiagoBorbon.com. Find her on IG. Be atento, be open with your eyes open. For those who are in New York, we have select spaces for our beautiful, beautiful sacred pause retreat happening in November, November 12th, right? <laughs> it's been a minute since we looked yeah. November 12th has been a minute since we looked at it because you know all the things that we're both working on but check it out I'll probably include the link too in somewhere in this um, summit as well to invite folks who are in New York or Philly Connecticut in the area who want or New Jersey or around or want to travel and um, thank you Cynthia uh, honoring your ancestors gracias 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 to your ancestors to the Orishas gracias 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 for bringing us together and Thank you for folks who are here and explore, explore if you're called, explore with honor and reverence. Muchas gracias. Bye-bye, everyone.